I hate you, Nikaid. I hate you so, so much right now. I'm struggling to find the words to express how much I hate you. From hell's heart, I stab at thee. That is how much I hate you. You big fucking crybaby. Get over it. It is not, it is an irredeemable thing what you have done to me today in the last 20 minutes. Kyle's mad at me because we, we record these episode by episode. It makes sense, of course. Why would we not? Why would we do the night of sequence? I don't know, because the sequence of the episodes bears absolutely no impact on the content of them whatsoever. This isn't true detective. That's fair. That's fair. And so a month or so ago, when we were going to record episode 15 or something, I accidentally skipped an episode. And we found out the error later than we should have. Yeah, that was a bad day, because that day we had to watch two episodes of The Big Bang Theory in the row already. And so, recording this one, I thought it would make sense, having been a month or so, to re-watch the episode we accidentally watched, and now... Again! You made us watch it again! Yeah. Twice! I have now watched it... The same episode of The Big Bang Theory twice well, as someone, in the span of a month. As, as someone who's already like watched episodes of The Big Bang Theory, this was Not inevitable. twice in a month! Well, I mean, if it's been at least a month since the last one, technically you still haven't. I don't know if we watched that one in June. It's too soon. Sorry. it's are, You're fine. No, it, I'm not fine. It, I'm pretty sure I have brain it, damage it, now. It, as, as members of a podcast who are generally trying to pick apart these things and figure out what we like and don't like about it. Now you have that much more time to reflect and you've had that much more opportunity for uh, the show itself and the details and everything to, to stew. No, two things have now happened. The first is I feel I spent the last 20 minutes feeling like I was in the, like the world's like the shittiest version of Groundhog's day possible. The other thing that happened is I like I thought the episode was funnier this time. And that scares me nah. to the, core of my Ugh. DNA. That tells me that basically what I've learned is Stockholm Syndrome. It is real. Mm, it know. is really real. Before we get too much further, hi, my name is Nick and I, uh, this is, who are you? I'm Kyle. This is big, the Big Bang Theory Theory. We talk about the show, we try to figure out why people like it. Mostly it is complain, and sometimes people listen to it and I still don't really understand why. And I think the fact that you found it funnier this time uh, helps with something that I, I brought up on an earlier episode, which is I'm pretty sure the more predictable the show is, the more enjoyable it becomes. Because it's that much more brainless, passive entertainment. You knew all the jokes were coming, and you were so fucking satisfied with yourself by it. So we're, we're coming very close to a, a crossroads. I don't know what we're going to do when we move into season two. Will we go on as normal, or will we abandon this project, or... Or will we have to shake something up? So we are not falling into the same trap as the show itself does. But before we get any more mired down on that, we should actually probably talk about this episode. Yes. So you, this is a weird thing to say, but you are better at summarizing the episodes than me. I don't know why. Do you, do you mean weird by obvious? Well, I just, I'm trying to figure out what it is about I'm fantastic. your inferior intellect that makes it easier for you to summarize the plot of the episode because I am, I'm so shitty at picking up on nuances. I don't spend any more time. I, I'm not, I'm not tripping up over them as I go through it. That's probably it. Uh, so, Hey, check this out. It's Leonard's birthday. 
It doesn't usually have birthday parties, but they want to throw him a birthday party, and it's going to be a surprise, so they have to distract him. And hijinks ensue, and then he comes back to his surprise birthday party, but there were so many hijinks in the meantime, they're late for it, and it's over by the time he gets there. There is your episode. I can fill in the blanks from there. Yep, that was pretty good. Normal dude. I, I think there was a lot of things in this episode that were better the second time around knowing they're coming because it's that much more annoying. Like, knowing it's coming right at you, just being like, you're fucking... Oh, I know, I, I, I was pretty sure this is how the joke was going to go last time, and I know exactly how it's going to go, and I'm still going to be disappointed. It, it, it's another one of those things where it's on us. Like, we... That we keep doing this and is is the problem. We should not expect anything interesting or new. And the longer we remain upset about that, the more unreasonable we are. Yeah, so Yeah. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just going to jump around a lot uh, because something that I want to get straight to is one of the big distractions that Wallowitz is tasked with to keep Leonard out of the apartment while they're, they're setting up a surprise birthday party. And to do so, he ultimately uh, first fakes that he's having an allergic reaction to peanuts, so Leonard has to take him to the hospital. But the, the nurse is not buying it and doesn't want to put up with his hijinks, so he calls Penny to say it's not working out. And Penny's response to this is, hey, when you come to the surprise party, if you're able to keep Leonard distracted until then... I'm going to point out which of my friends are the easiest. And here's what you need to know. I got a former fat girl who got hot and doesn't have any self-esteem. I've got someone who uh, is sleeping with everyone she can to rage against her dad. And I've got a friend who, after two tequila drinks, is going to want you to wear her like a hat. That's This is the good person doing the good thing for her friend. Is saying, look at all these fucking damaged... Pe- vulnerable people that I know that I'm just going to let you slide into. The sexual assaulter, I'm not setting that up just for you. That's... And these these are our delightful protagonists. She did do it with, like, the E. It was, like, basically, like... It wasn't just that she... It was she did, It was, like, she... Yeah, it was not the this first time. This is definitely time. not the first time she's been, like, I'm going to trade... Like, some of my friend's sexual favors in exchange for something right now. Yeah. Maybe it's like she has other friends that she holds more dearly. And when someone is about to, like, come after them, she's like, hey, buddy, hold on. You don't fucking mess with Jessica. Jessica is too good for you. Tiffany, on the other hand, there's no saving her. So, like, just go nuts. Like, that's... It honestly made me wonder if the real way Penny pays her rent is if she's, like, secretly a pimp. I mean, I guess the technical term is madam if you're a woman, but it was just like, she... Actually, the preferred nomenclature now is sex trafficker, because pimp and madam <laughs> both have an unearned level of, of glamour and, and fun that come with them. Okay, well, fair enough. I'm just saying, she magically manifests a bunch of... Like, first off, the party, none of the people at that party, it would seem, are Leonard's friends, except for... Raj, Howard, and Sheldon. Mm-hmm. So she just gets a bunch of random people to show up at this party, many of whom are attractive women, several of whom are psychologically damaged and will sleep with anyone under the right circumstances. Yeah. And she just, like, snaps her fingers and makes that happen like it's nothing. And and her friends also, 
the only time any friend of hers ever comes in, it's in relation to how obviously unavailable they are to any of the nerds. They're they're just there as as false hopes of sex. She doesn't have actual like real personal connections with anyone outside of the nerds. But when you need to get someone horny and break their heart, then she's like, I know people. I know people that are perfect for this situation and only this situation. And I have them all on speed dial <laughs> under aliases. And they all they all know to use a fake name when they sign in at the front door for reasons. Yeah, that that's what it is, isn't it? Like, and you know, it's not it's not just that because there's the the episode where uh, the 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 young Korean the North Korean kid is battling with Sheldon. Well, he's not battling, but Sheldon can't handle him because he just probably might be smarter than Sheldon. So then the dude nerds, all of their their thing is like, well, I guess we have to sex traffic these sixteen year olds to. This is a, I mean, we've done it over and again. It gets old, but it's this is kind. It's not a wholesome show. No, it's this. They've like uh, this this real candy coating and all this pretty gnarly shit that everyone's always up to. Yes, but is that is that a normal thing? Like, are is it? Are we just pointing it out because we don't like the show? Or is this like a, when you, pretty typical? When you say normal, do you mean in comparison to sitcoms, or do you mean in I, real I, life? Because I know I've never had, I've had plenty of of strong relationships with female friends. I've never had any of them be like, "Hey, you do this for me, I'm gonna hook you up." I went on a school trip to China, and maybe, maybe I tried to sell one of my friends to a man from Singapore for a bottle of Grey Goose. Just maybe, okay. I did, now that I say this, I did have, when I was in high school, I had a guy tell me in a Spanish class, you know, I've got like three girls who will sleep with you if I tell them to, if you can just get me an A in this class. And I didn't take him up on it because it felt unethical. It is. That's upsetting. But that guy, what, is, what was his deal? I don't know. It was a, it was a strange, t- it was a strange dark town. You know, they didn't teach sex ed. It was such a weird conversation too, because I had to explain to him like, no, you don't understand. I don't think that I would feel good about myself if I did something like that. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm, I mean, I'm a person and I look at like things I say, well, I'd be proud of myself if I do this thing. Yeah. That, and he was like, I don't get it. And I was like, I don't know how to explain this to you. So he may have been a sociopath is what you're saying. Or just I was way I I was way too full of guilt and shame for like a 16-year-old. I have also definitely I definitely have at least in one case just been like I refuse to acknowledge that you're hitting on me because I'm not going to allow this to go anywhere. Only once, but I'm just been like I don't think it's appropriate. They were in a relationship, so I was like, "Oh, that's the best time to do it. <laughs> that's when it's most dangerous. The most attractive person is someone who's unavailable." Ooh. Maybe you but I was just like, "Nope." It's like, I don't have, like, the social skills to, like, explain to you or, like, to sort this out. And really, you're just following your own life choices, which you're allowed to do, but I'm not going to facilitate any of this badness. All right. And I, just... and I don't have the I don't have the emotional skills to talk with you or be a mature adult about how you're trying to, like, entrap me here. So I'm just going to pretend that I don't understand that when you're offering – when you're sitting on my lap, it means something. I'm just going to scoot over here and just be like, that was just a random thing that friends did. What the fuck is up with, like, like teenage to early 20-something girls? How they can just get through life without ever bringing up, like, all the fucking boners that are touching them. Because, like, it, 
I don't know if like as a 16 or 17 year old, if I was a ninja or like, or if every girl I was like ever hugging or I'd sit on my lap was just like, this is life. Like this is, this is what it is to be a teenager, I guess. Cause like nonstop. And like, I just never like, so, so much of high school, like my top three concerns were like, Oh, my skin isn't that great. Oh, I have to get through high school. And, oh, I hope my boner isn't the most obvious thing about this situation. Yeah. So, anyway, also in this episode, <laughs> there's a weird moment where Sheldon doesn't want – well, there's a couple of – oh, okay, so we can tie this in. So, also in this episode, Sheldon doesn't want to help throw the birthday party because he's like Leonard said he didn't want a birthday party. Mm-hmm. And, she's and, like, and he's opposed to gift-giving culture. Yeah, yeah, but we'll get to that. Okay. But before that, the only reason he's even on board with helping be a member of this birthday party is because Penny's like, if you don't help, I'm going to go into your room and I'm going to mark one of your mint condition comic books and you won't know which one. And he's like, but then it will ruin the collector's value. And she's like, do you understand the definition of blackmail? Which, first off, that's not blackmail. If you don't help me, I'm going to destroy something you love. Isn't blackmail, it's extortion. Blackmail is, I know something that will damage your reputation, and if you don't help me, I will share it with everyone. I don't think Sheldon could be blackmailed with everything we know about him right now, but he could definitely be extorted. But maybe I'm being a pedant. I don't know. He could totally be blackmailed. Because for what? You have to have shame. You have to have shame. Or at least an awareness of your own reputational value. That is it. That's what he's always so concerned about. Like, everything is just about needing everyone else to know that he's the smartest person in any situation. If there were any actual evidence that undermined that, it would destroy him. That's why they had to get rid of the North Korean kid, remember? Like, he couldn't live knowing that there was someone out there who was, like, out-achieving him. Yeah. And so the, the solution they did to, like, get him involved in having fun with people... Like, that was the second best solution after disappearing him. That's, I, so, okay, you're right. So I guess maybe a better example would, you don't, you can't blackmail Sheldon because he would kill you. So I guess that's what we came down to. Yeah. So it's not that you can't blackmail you Sheldon. shouldn't. You don't want to. You don't want to try it. Yeah. And I think you're also going to talk about the, the culture gift giving. Yeah. What's the, so the other thing is he doesn't want to buy Leonard a gift because he's got his whole, you know, fucking Jerry Seinfeld. Well, why don't they just give each other money? Except then they're giving you the same money back again. I don't know why I'm associating that with, forget that part. But anyway, Sheldon doesn't want to, doesn't do gifts. And so Howard, Howard just says to Penny, Hey, instead of trying to explain that, like, or just trying to convince him, just tell him it's a non-optional social convention. Yes. And immediately turns around and is like, okay, then. That's all it takes, apparently. That's all it takes to get Sheldon to do anything. Yeah, that fucking blows up. That is like one of those things that just ruins the entire show. That's like wishing for more wishes. (laughs) It is. You know, it's like, oh, this thing that obviously should not have this, this workaround. It does, and we can't do anything with that. And yeah, by opening that up, like there's no, like you, you can get Sheldon to do like literally anything yes. now. Hey, Sheldon, help us win this competition and let us answer some of the questions. Why, Why on earth? It's a not optional social uh, convention. All right, I don't understand those. I'm gonna take your word for it. Hey, Sheldon, don't tell your boss you think he's a huge dick face because he's a popular science writer. Why? Oh, it's a non-optional social convention. Oh, okay, I guess I'll keep my job and not have a mental breakdown after I'm fired. Or, hey, Sheldon, you should drink all this piss out of this jar 
after I learned that you've been making me drink out of your piss jar for however long, my name is Leonard, be like, why on earth would I do that? You're the piss boy. Well, it's a non-optional social convention. Like, I had it wrong this whole time. Glug, glug. Shelton, you should really let me sleep with your sister. Not only should you let me sleep with your sister, you should set things up because apparently both of us are convinced we live in a patriarchal society where you signing off on that would facilitate that. And I'm not actually sure, given the general things that happen on this show, that's not somehow magically true. Mm-hmm. Let me fuck your sister, Sheldon. Why? Not optional social convention. Ah, yes. Okay. Another thing about the extent to which all of these these creeps are willing to go to get what they want is, like I mentioned, Wallowitz has to distract Leonard during uh, the, the birthday party setup time. And so at first, he, he, so he's allergic to peanuts, and he fakes an allergic reaction. They get to the hospital. ER nurse wants none of it. Oh, and, God. And so Penny offers up her slooty friends, and Wallowitz, uh, in, in committing to the bit... And to, and to get this, uh, he eats a peanut granola bar and then swells up into some sort of elephant man. And it's hard because in most situations, like that's a familiar scenario. Someone that's willing to, in, in sitcoms anyway, like someone that's willing to do some sort of like intentionally horrible or stupid act of self-harm to show what their French, like the, the level of their friendship and commitment, like no matter what their other feelings are. Gosh darn it, at the end of the day, they'll stick their neck out for you. Yes. And that's not what this is. This is not, Leonard's going to have a bad time if I don't do this. It's like, I am not going to be able to have sex with the vulnerable women at Leonard's party if I don't do this. I was not willing to go out of my way to make sure this party happens. But now that Penny has given me the information I need to take advantage of someone not getting enough hugs when they were a child, I have to poison myself and enter a state of anaphylaxis. Oh, and it's Leonard's birthday party. That's nice. You know, this is interesting because this... Let's talk about the, the Leonard ex- child-raising experiment. Well, it wasn't... I mean, I didn't have... There's not that... I mean, basically, his mother denied him birthdays because she wanted him to crave their attention, and they would only give it to him Whoa. through things that were meritocratically based. There we go. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely mischaracterizing the genius of the experiment. Just to get him to crave their attention. Well, I he mean, feels good when he wins. Yes, that's right. It's a it's a Pavlovian thing where basically they only reward him for things that he has control over. Yes, and I, and I think the way he puts it is that being discharged from a birth canal was not considered one of those achievements. And so he had never had a birthday party. The closest thing that ever came is he came home once and there were a lot of people and there was cake. And it turned out that his grandpa had died. But like... You also get to characterize what achievements then are worth celebrating because really any, any time you are getting through the day without dying in a world that does not care one way or the other about your existence and where every moment that you are alive is a, a statistical impossibility, you know, every second that you live is an achievement. So how do you actually define what are meaningful achievements? Uh Ah, really? See, I was going to go the exact opposite way. See, I was going to think that in refusing to celebrate his birth, they wanted him to understand at the beginning, look, existence is fundamentally, if not a mistake, at least something that you should be agnostic about. Like all these people who think that it's better to, 
you know, to be or not to be, that's a huge, I mean, that's how you make someone a scientist. You start out by making them question the very value of their own existence from the moment they're born. I think some people just become scientists because they like frogs. Like, let's come on. But not this guy. No, I mean, not this guy. <laughs> I mean, so much of his life could probably be explained by, like, the fact that his mom was like, look, you know, yeah, we chose the decision to uh, bring you into this world, your father and I, because we have power over you, and we basically own you because you wouldn't exist without us. Does that make you something we care about? Not necessarily. You're an experiment to us. Pray you're a good experiment. Otherwise, oh, well, well, just because he's an experiment to his parents doesn't mean that they don't care about him. That's the value that they put into the experiment. They want it to go up. If anything, his parents are shitty scientists because they are already, they have confirmation bias where they, they want his kid to, they want their kid to be good. So they put him on the path that will ensure that. And they celebrate it whenever it happens. That's true. They don't have a control. I don't know that they have a controlled group. Maybe they do have another kid. Oh, God. Yeah. Another kid who either, you know, gets celebrated whenever, what you know, just for whatever reasons. He has birthday parties, a pretty normal kid. Or it's the opposite. Or like, maybe they, well, it couldn't just be the opposite. You'd have to have a few groups. But, you know, if you had one who uh, was only rewarded for uh, for failure. Like, yeah. Like, like actual, like. What, whatever anyone would consider failure. What would well, that do? Well, no, th- that brother d- died at like 19 from a meth overdose. So that's just, that's why they never talk about him. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the realistic way to go about it, huh? I mean, maybe that's why he's with, maybe that's why he and Sheldon are best friends because, you know, he is someone who, I don't know where I was going with this. He's, he's someone who grew up in extreme conditions. We'll put it like that. Yes, that is, that is true. But I was just trying to say there's sort of like the antithesis of what you were saying of life being, you know, arbitrary and hard is just sort of the Schopenhauerian position that like life is fundamentally terrible all around. And so maybe if Leonard had really learned his lesson, he would rebel against his parents and murder them for even making him alive. I mean, that that is what we should all do to prove that we have control of our own lives and that (laughs) we are not subject to the whims of the gods that brought us into this earth. What happened? I just listened to like the, I just replayed back in my mind like the last ten minutes of our conversation. I know, and things I, suddenly. I, I just realized I became suddenly aware that we're being recorded, and I'm not okay with that anymore. I'm sorry, but yeah, I'm a convert. It didn't take long, but I am now here for socially acceptable ritualistic patricide. Oh. It's a rite of passage. <laughs> It's you brought me into this world, but you can't so easily take me out of it. To, to the contrary, plow, plow, you've got two holes in you from the gunshots. Those were the noises I made, were the gunshots. Anywho, moving past that, what other, I mean, anything else that really, like, stands out? I feel like those were the big things. I did wonder, one of the reason Leonard is so hard to get out of his apartment is because he is in, like, some three-hour Halo 2 grudge match. Yes. And I just have a lot of questions about the way they characterize that. We need to discuss this. I'm glad you brought it up. So within the episode, Howard's job is to get Leonard out of his apartment. He comes in, he's like, hey, why don't we go watch the the newest cut of Blade Runner, which Mm -hmm. 
you know, is actually not a – that's a pretty nerdy joke. The idea – the fact that there have been like 17 cuts of Blade Runner and that they all only have like very minor differences. And so there's a joke about we got to go see eight the eight new seconds in the newest final remastered definitive director's edition of Blade Runner totally changes the tone of the movie. As a as a cinephile and a nerd, I like that joke. Here here is Nick Hyde's oversharing moment of the episode. Nick over Nick Hyde's oversharing moment of the episode. It's a moment where Nick Hyde overshares something, and we find out more about Nick Hyde than we wanted to know originally. But um bum. I was dating this lady, and we were very very early in the relationship. And one one of the complicating factors is that she had a kid, and. Uh, not like that, not like personally like relationship complicating, but like you can't fuck loud when there's a kid in the house. Kid can't hear that. That's messed up. And so one day uh, uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to go hang out with my pals uh, today. We're going to watch uh, Dark City, but it's the version that doesn't have the opening narration, which apparently changes the whole tone of the movie, even though I've already seen it. And that's the only change. I've just got to be part of this. I've got to know what it's like to see it without the information I already know. I'm going to block it out of my mind. And I get like 20 minutes into that. And then she calls and she's like, hey, I got the kid to uh, stay somewhere else for the night. So you can come over and we can have like as much loud, weird sex as you want. I was like, I'm watching Dark City, the version that doesn't have the opening narration. So you can't be serious. You're kidding. Like you can watch... Dark City with your friends, or you can come over and have, like, lots of, in, like, wacky sex with me. And I'm like, you could come watch Dark City with us. <laughs> like, that's fine. And uh, that was the day that relationship ended. <laughs> that was... So I get it. I get it. It's... Yes. So. Yes. So anyway. Anyway. Leonard doesn't want to go see Blade Runner because he is really, really into this one-on-one duel I guess he is having because no one else is apparently playing this way. Well, no one else that matters. If yeah. there are other people playing, it's that much weirder. <laughs> yes. But it's literally just Leonard locked in mortal combat with, we are told, a boy who lives in, a 14-year-old who lives in Copenhagen and has an autoimmune disease that keeps him in a bubble so that all he can do with his time is play Halo mm-hmm. on the internet 24-7. Yes, but it's it's that's not the troubling thing. That's that's an unfortunate thing for that child. What's troubling is that when Wallowitz is like, "Hey, can't you just play him some other time?" Leonard says, "Not if you believe the kid's doctors." That means that this kid is on the verge of death, and all Leonard wants to do on his birthday is fucking dunk on a 14-year-old child from Copenhagen with no immune system. He wants the last moments of this child's life to be getting teabagged by Master Chief after he just got ran over by a fucking warthog. Now, I do like your interpretation. I think that actually makes more sense than what I'm about to say because, again, it comes back to that is exactly what I would expect for someone who every year on his birthday was told, nope. You're not good enough. You don't get a cake because you haven't earned your fucking cake. That is exactly how I would expect that person to want to spend his birthday. It's crushing someone else's sense of the only accomplishment in their life that gives them any happiness and proving they are, in fact, inferior. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me now that you've said that if, like, his plan after he had 
crushed the kid's soul was like to go back to his room and just masturbate furiously over his own victory. Maybe that's what he's been programmed to do. Like, not just the achievement that he has to earn it, but like, how do we know his parents like didn't like another kid in his class and they'd be like, get him, Leonard. If you want to make if you want to make mommy happy, you're gonna to have to get him. Yeah. We might have to we might have to buy that kid a cake because yeah. I'm really impressed by how much better he is at you on his uh, spelling homework. There are only so many cakes in the world, Leonard. If anyone else gets one for their birthday, that's fewer cakes for you. You have to make sure that kid doesn't have any more birthdays, Leonard. You like cake, don't you, Leonard? You're not as smart as he is, Leonard. I hate to break it to you, but you're just not. But you want to be a winner, don't you, Leonard? Yeah. All this. No, that all that works. Although it ruins my, because I actually had a much more wholesome explanation, which was that he has somehow. I mean, the fact that he knows this much about this kid, they have formed some kind of bond, and he knows this kid is dying, and he knows that he's committed to playing Halo too. So the, his his gift to him in his final hours is this marathon Halo session. My friend, you are making a gigantic fucking assumption by believing that Leonard has any sort of connection to this kid. And that's the reason he knows about the kid's illness. For all we know, Leonard could have been finding kids that were unwell and that enjoy Halo and seeking them out. Just working his way down the list. Yeah, he like he's got some sort of connection to the Make-A-Wish Foundation where he's like, all right, this kid, is he's on his last leg, so I'm going to friend him on Halo. It's like, I have to hand it to you. You're much harder than the kids that usually play with multiple sclerosis. But. God, it could be nastier. What if they're on the same What if they're on the same team and he's just like hanging out at their own spawn point, just murdering him and be like, this is why you should be happy that life was about to end for you. This is what would be in store if God didn't decide to give you this illness. Like that's, Leonard is, he is just benevolently showing uh, these poor children that he's trying to make their their death more acceptable. Yeah, exactly. Like this is you only have pain to look forward to, so you just hang out and let me talk you through all the the needler deaths that you're about to get. Which I've only played a bit of Halo, but I'm pretty sure those are the most embarrassing deaths. Yeah, because the little needles jab into you and then you blow up. Yeah. Comically and fly up in the air like it's a joke or something. Yeah, well, it's just not that effective in a weapon. I don't think people like the needler from what I remember, but I wasn't very good at Halo. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Anything else that we want to get into? Is it worth talking about the the racist jokes in this episode? I don't think it's worth discussing at length, but I think we need to address them because they they're still weird. I mean, so I'm just going to name all the ones I can remember. Yeah, I've got two big ones that stand out. I got I I'll I got two in an impression. Okay. So do it. so the impression is is uh is Leonard does his impression of the Chinese people who see him coming and ordering no peanuts. Oh, you sick awful insensitive fuck. You don't think that's bad? They were Thai. They were Thai people. Every Thai restaurant in town knows that Wallowitz is allergic to peanuts. They're not Chinese, Kyle. You're right. I had forgotten. You fuck. Yes. You racist bitch. Yes. But yeah, that was weird. He does impression. <laughs> um, so there's that. There's um, – I'm, I'm not going in order. At the very end of the episode, Raj gets in one of his classic – you know, uh, what's the guy from The Simpsons? Uh, Apu yeah, gets a peanut pedal on. Yeah, gets one of his classic, you know, basic like 
Apu Patankin lands in, which is like, yeah, oh, Shiva, shake that the rupee maker. Yeah. We hear him saying. Which, that one's weird because it's not necessarily racist. It's just dumb. It's really, really dumb. Okay, and so. But easily the worst one in the episode. The big bad one. Is when Howard is trying to talk his way into the emergency room before he, you know, commits whole hog to trying to poison himself. He's just like, hey, emergency room lady, who I, w- I, I knew that there's a stereotype about, like, African-American women working at the – being the face of bureaucracy. You know, they're usually, like, in the DMV. And even in the episode, the pilot, where they're donating sperm, I believe it's a black woman playing crosswords and being sort of like, I don't have time for these crazy boys. I think um, you are right, yes. Um, but that's not – here, I just just like, well, they're not actually going to be bring her race explicitly into this conversation in any way. Correct. <laughs> Leonard, no, not Leonard. Howard literally says, "Look, just let me in the back. Just tell how, uh, just tell my friend that yeah, you're giving he, me a shot." He's not having the actual reaction yet. That's yeah. important. He's, he's still like, faking it. He's like, "I need you to tell my friend that I'm going to the back so I can get a shot and you know a candy bar or um or a you know a band aid, a band aid, and then I'll come back if you help me out." I'm going to introduce you to the man who freed your people. And he slides a fucking $5 bill across the table. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. Shamelessly. And she takes it in stride. Yeah. It, it is one of the best comeback jokes. It's almost worth it for the comeback. If I didn't imagine that both of these jokes were written by white dudes, it would be better. But... Like, I like to imagine in the writer's room, like, the dude's being like, and then he's like, the man who freed your people. And then, like, uh, the one, like, you know, black guy who's actually on the writer's staff coming up with the response, but it probably wasn't. The, rest of the comeback is, unless my people were freed by Benjamin Franklin and his five twin brothers, you are wasting your time. Yeah. So, you know what that means, though, that she was, uh, that she was so unflappable, probably deals with that shit all the time. Oh yeah, like it just it just slid right off because she's like, oh, I guess it's four o'clock. It's time for a random asshole to say some racist shit to me. Oh yeah, definitely happens to her all the time. Although I like that they also established she's not totally immune to the to the prospect of bribery, you know, to get a better position. It's just you got to bring your A game, you know. That's how bribery works. Everyone thinks they're above bribery until they have the right amount of the bribe. That's a good point. Yeah. That's, everyone has a price, Kyle. Hers was, what, $120? Is Benjamin 20 or is he 100 No, he's 100 It was $600. $600. I mean... Who's on the 20 Andrew Jackson. Oh. That would have been a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway. That piece of shit. I think we have to get to the moment now. Do you have your standout moment? Was that your standout moment? You're going to hate me for my standout moment. I hate you already. Yes, that's true. My standout moment is at the beginning of this episode. Is it that Sheldon is shirt? wearing a shirt. Oh, you, you piece of shit. At the beginning of the episode, when they're simultaneously playing a game of Tetris and arm wrestling, which they never... Ex- I mean, it's fine that they're doing something totally stupid at, like, Cheesecake Factory. That's all they do. But why it would involve any kind of physical level of competition at all is a little strange, but that's not the point. The point is, Sheldon is wearing a shirt that has five obscure DC characters on it. They are Martian Manhunter, Red Tornado, Firestorm, Doctor Fate, Green Arrow... What do these characters have in common? I don't know. No one knows. They're all in a shirt. 
They're all on his shirt. And they have all been in the Justice League. I think even at the same time, maybe. That's a strong maybe. But they're definitely not A-listers. I just want to know who made that fucking shirt and why they chose those characters. Because it definitely feels like uh, we couldn't get the rights to like the good characters in the DC Universe on our t-shirt. And yet somehow that t-shirt ended up in Sheldon's hands. I don't know. I kind of think it's a code. I don't know what it's a code for, but I'm going to keep watching. I'm already remixing the letters of the different characters' names. I haven't come up with anything yet. But if it means anything, I will find it. Okay. My moment is when Wallowitz poisons himself with the granola bar. Not because that in itself is particularly interesting, but because it reveals to me how easily manipulable I am because I've seen this episode twice now, and I know that the reason he does that is so Penny will make good on her offer to set him up with her floozy friends. But there's this thing, this part of my brain that I see that and all I can think is, what a good friend. Look the extent that he's willing to go to to give his friend Leonard a happy birthday. That's not what he's doing at all. They just happen adjacent to each other. Yeah. Like the, he, he does that not to do like anything that will actually help Leonard have a nice birthday. He does it because he wants to have sex. But like the just how extreme the act is, so there's a connection in my brain that just pre-exists that won't allow me to accept what a shitty and selfish thing it is. Yes, because if this were like any other sitcom, they would be like, oh, of course, you know, Joey is, is humbling himself because he really just cares about Chandler that much. You wouldn't think it from all the times he gives him a hard time. Yeah. You know, we know what that means, is that the Big Bang Theory has been a bit of an awakening for me. I'm learning some things about myself through this show. Okay. Well, my moment, because we're going to delete the other moment. That was stupid. The t-shirt thing really is bothering me, and I'm going to obsess about I'm it I'm not deleting nothing. You just get to have two moments, and you get to acknowledge that one of them was bunk. <laughs> but uh, I think the better was also Howard-related, which I forgot. Um, it's, a, it's just a throwaway line, but... Penny says, Leonard wants a birthday party. He just doesn't know he wants a birthday party yet because he's never had one. And if you've never had something, how can you know that you want it? It's actually my favorite part of the episode. And Howard responds, you know, never had a threesome. Still pretty sure that's what I want. And that's just some truth. <laughs>